0: Welcome to the Cary Church Podcast. For more information regarding Cary Church, visit www.cary.asn.au.
1: The reading this morning is from John chapter 20, verses 11 to 18. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary.
0: Bevan, thanks very much. Good morning. Not enough hands. My name is Peter Scott. I serve as the Associate Pastor here. If I haven't met you, I'd love to after the service. Uh, I'm really looking forward to what we're going to talk about this morning. And I really like bringing it to God before we do. So why don't you join with me and let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for what you're going to talk us through. Uh, in your scripture. Lord, please reveal the things to our hearts that you want to because we love you and we know you're good and it's your in your son's name that we ask this, your son's name who we want to follow in every area of our lives. Amen. Okay, so we are in a series called Follow Him. We're looking at the lives of disciples and we, we're looking at them for three reasons. We covered this a little bit last week. Today's our second, second week in the series. The first thing is that the stories of people are fascinating. Your story is fascinating and these people that we're going to look at have some really interesting lives but we also are looking at them because we want to know what makes them tick and we want to see if there's something we can learn from these disciples. Last week, we looked at Andrew. So if you were here, we called him Andrew the Introducer, because as we looked at each of the scriptures, it seemed like every time he met someone, he was introducing them. At least that's the bit that was covered in the Bible. Today, we're looking at somebody called Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene. Now you might have some thoughts about who she is. So we're going to do a quick pop quiz to see what's in your mind about who was Mary Magdalene. So let's, let's put our, there it is, our pop quiz. So I want you to choose an A, B, C, D or E. Was she a reformed prostitute? Was she the sister of Lazarus? Was she a disciple of Jesus? Now, given the series in we're covering her, that you know, that might be a bit of an obvious one. But number D, maybe it's all of the above, or maybe you're an E, none of the above. Now you'll note that I carefully constructed it. I had to think a long time about this, but E actually covers D, so it actually does work. I was, anyway, um, so you can choose one of those, and uh, I'm not going to give you the answer straight away. We're going to start to unpack some stuff and see if what you're thinking in your mind, A to E, was correct. So the first thing, there's been a long history of speculating about who this lady was. I think I've got a a picture of her, there we go, there's a picture of Mary Magdalene. And there's a lot of speculation that she was a a sensual young lady um, and possibly a reformed prostitute there were, if you were around in the 70s uh, or you've heard of this, there was a play called Jesus Christ Superstar. That kind of extended this idea even further. Or there was a movie that was banned in a number of countries called The Last Temptation of Christ. Maybe you've read The Da Vinci Code, a book uh, in the last decade or so. All of these sort of took this idea of who Mary was a little bit further and kept this speculation going. But it's not just in modern times. In the Middle Ages, there was something called the the Golden Legend that was written that had a very central Mary Magdalene leaving Israel and heading to France. So all of these things are just speculation. And what we're going to do this morning is look at what the Bible says about Mary and unpack that a little bit. But I wanted to touch on the reason some of this speculation has come about and and it's been this sort of pulling together of a number of parts of the Bible to create a story and I wanted to talk you through it just so we can say we're actually not sure about that, put it to one side. If we looked at John chapter 12, it talks about Mary anointing the feet of Jesus. In Luke chapter 7, we have another story about a sinful woman anointing the feet of Jesus and straight after Luke chapter 7 in the very first part of Luke chapter 8 we meet Mary Magdalene and so the long bow that's drawn here is that the Mary the two stories are the same Mary's the same one the Mary is Mary Magdalene she was a sinful woman and she was a that was sexual sin she was a prostitute that's kind of the the steps that get gone through for people to say well there is biblical evidence But I want to challenge that actually um, because Mary was a common name in that period in Israel. In fact, if you looked at John chapter 19, verse 25, you would find three Marys mentioned in one verse, one sentence in one verse. So it's a pretty common name. There's lots of Marys around. What we also see is that in John chapter 12, the Mary there is the sister of Lazarus and Martha. You might remember some of those stories. But they come from Bethany, and Bethany is a town that's kind of close to Jerusalem. It's about 100 kilometers south of Magdala. And Magdala is this little town on the Sea of Galilee, and that's where Magdalene comes from. Mary from Magdala, Mary Magdalene. So probably different Marys. And then the sin referred to in Luke chapter 7 has, in the Greek, it has nothing to do with any sort of sexual sin. It's just sin that is not keeping the law. So I would argue that all of that is probably myth and speculation and not true. Was she a disciple though? Was she a disciple? And you might be thinking, well hang on, there were 12. There were just 12. They were all blokes. 12 disciples, they were all guys. There was, there was Peter, James and John and well last week we did Andrew and then, and then those other 8 guys. There were 12 disciples. Well let's look at that. First of all, the culture and writing of the day focused really on men. If we look at John chapter 6 and the story of the feeding of 5,000, it was 5,000 men. There was no mention of of women or children. So there's sort of a culture here where mainly men are mentioned. And a careful reading of the scripture shows shows us that actually there were female disciples. Last week, we talked about what a disciple was and we said, look, a disciple is someone who was learning and under the authority of a master, following a teacher, if you like. It was someone who was... Um, in relationship over a long time with this master. So what ev- evidence do we see of that for women, and even Mary particularly? Well, in Mark fifteen forty one, it uses the phrase of Mary Magdalene and other women. It says that they were following and serving him. It also seems that Mary was following him for a long period. I mean, from the moment she met him, what we just read in the Bible reading, Bevan read to us, she was there when... Jesus died. So she was actually with him and following him and serving him for a long time. These all seem like traits of a disciple. And then the final bit of evidence I'll I'll suggest this morning is that in Luke chapter 10 verse 39, it says, and this time it's of Mary of Bethany, that um, she sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Just like the male disciples. So it's pretty clear that there were female disciples. Now what about the twelve? All right, I'll take you to John chapter 6 for that. In John chapter 6, at the end of that chapter, Jesus is giving a difficult teaching to the disciples. And it says many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching, who can accept it? And as they percolate on this a little bit, it says in verse 66 and 67, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Many of his disciples. You don't want to leave too, do you? Jesus said to the 12. So there's many and there's 12. There's clearly a lot more than 12 disciples. So as I read it, it's very clear to me that Mary Magdalene was a disciple of Jesus. There were more than 12. There were female disciples and Mary was one of them. So what can we learn about being a disciple from Mary? Well, let's look first at Luke chapter 8. This is the first time that we actually meet Mary in the Bible, Mary Magdalene in the Bible. And it says this, After this, Jesus travelled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some of the women, who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven de- demons had come out, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. So the first thing I think we learn is that Mary's life has been transformed. We touched on this last week. We talked about Andrew and the transformation that he experienced knowing Jesus. Mary had, had seven demons cast out. Now, we don't know what the demons were. We don't know what they represent. But it's clear that there's been this significant life change for her from what what she had to something completely new. We We talked a lot last week about this and we asked the question, what would be different in your mind? I think Mary would say, it's night and day. I have changed so significantly as Jesus has come into my life. And what did she do about that? Well, it's interesting as we read through that, that passage it talks about Mary and some of these other women, who supported them out of their means. Now what, what does that? What does means mean? Well, it means that they had their time, their resources, they devoted to Jesus, Jesus' people, and Jesus' mission. Mary had changed so much that she had said, "You know what? I've got to take what I've got, and I want to use it in following Jesus." This is faith in action. It was a significant commitment that she made to change her life. A, a commitment that wasn't just skin deep. And, and it reminds me of this story. And you might have heard this story, but, but I quite like it. It's a story of two animals. And these two animals, they, uh, they decided they wanted to go into the restaurant business. And they, they wanted to build a breakfast bar, actually, it was a type of restaurant. It was a breakfast bar. Their, their focus was, you know, we love cooking bacon and eggs. Bacon and egg, breakfast bar, that's our thing, over easy, sunny side up. Yeah, we're going to do this great breakfast bar. But the negotiations started to get a bit sour. They got difficult. And eventually, in a, in a great outburst of anger, the pig said to the chicken, I'm committed, you're just involved. I think yeah, it's a really interesting way of thinking about our commitment. You know, what's our commitment in following Jesus? How much of us does it take? I, I oh, thank you, Sue. A little bit of a, a little bit of a sub sub uh, um, interlude here. Uh, I used to go to a church where the preacher would tell these jokes that were really hard to understand, and when people eventually got them and started snickering, he'd say, "There's the second wave." <laughs> so, Sue, thank you for being the second wave. Um, so it means, uh, so as we talk about this commitment, I, I want to ask the question, what does that look like for us today? What does this commitment look like in following Jesus? He's, he's not here physically, so what, what could it mean? Well, let's think about our time. Do we spend time in our lives? Do we spend time praying for colleagues or people that we bump into each day and then look for opportunities for how to love them and spend time loving them? What about our finances? Do we look at the world and think, how can I contribute to justice for the poor? How can I be contributing to what God is doing, as well as balancing my own needs and desires and those of my family? How do we allocate our finances in a way that's committed? And what about our energy? What are we pouring our lives into? Are we listening to what Jesus is talking to us, saying, hey, I want to go over this way, or here's what I'm doing. Are we pouring our energy into those things? It takes courage, courage to be that committed and to choose that path. It takes sacrifice. And I think if we'd asked Mary, we'd say, she would say, Yeah, I, I, I had to give up my old life. But I tell you, the new life that I found was so much better. Well, what else do we learn about Mary Magdalene? Let's look at Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27. What's quite interesting here is that uh, all the other references to Mary Magdalene we find are at Jesus' death and burial and resurrection. So apart from that Luke chapter 8, now we're at the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. And the first part of Matthew 27 starts or gives us an overview of what happened as Jesus was on the cross and then towards of that towards the end of that overview it says many women were there at the cross watching from a distance they'd followed jesus from galilee to care for his needs so here it says again they've been following him they've been looking after him supporting him among them were mary magdalene mary the mother of james and joseph and the mother of zebedee's sons so what i see in this is that mary was faithful even through this phase, this atmosphere, this period of persecution. Can you imagine the dangers and the pressures of this time? So this is, uh, this is where you've been following Jesus and you start to recognize that the cultural, the religious authorities of your days, they're a little bit antagonistic towards him. In fact, it gets very, very heated. And then you get to the point where you're in the garden of Gethsemane and a mob comes to arrest Jesus. And you move another day forward and you see a crowd clamoring for Jesus to be crucified. Through all of this, are you faithful or not? Peter, the tough fisherman disciple, he pulls his sword out in the garden. He's ready to fight. But then later on, he denies that he even knew Jesus. And now we're at the foot of the cross where Jesus is dying, and apart from John who says he was there, there are no male disciples that we read about in the Bible at that point. But there's Mary, Mary and some of the ladies faithfully still watching, waiting through this difficult time of persecution. They've kept their eyes on Jesus through all of this and they're still there. So my my second point, I'm not sure if we've got... Yeah, that's right. So faithful to Jesus' mission, we're talking about unshakable and courageous faith of Mary. We've talked about her commitment to serving Jesus and now we're talking about this faithfulness to his mission because she's still standing with Jesus. She's still standing in that place where Jesus is. And, And where was that? And this is what's relevant for us today. Where did Jesus stand that got him all this persecution? You see... I think we look at in the Bible and we see Jan, Jesus standing for the outcast. Jesus stood for the people who were excluded. He stood with those who were unhealthy and diseased. He stood to look after the marginalized. And that's kind of what Mary's doing. Jesus is hanging on the cross. He is clearly an outcast from the imperial authority as well as from the Jewish uh, authorities. But she's still standing there with him. In Mark chapter 3, we see that Jesus stood with a man with a disheveled hand, with a shriveled up hand. It was a Sabbath. It was a Sabbath day, kind of like we're in church today. And there was someone who was sick. And Jesus asked the question, so what's the law? Should we, should we heal this guy or not? And the Pharisees thought that we shouldn't. But Jesus went and stood with him and healed him against and in the face of the the religious authorities of the day. And at that moment, it says in Mark chapter 3, verse 6, after that, the Pharisees went out and started to plot to kill Jesus. Jesus stood with those who needed help. And that's where Mary was standing. And the question for us is, where do we stand in relation to Jesus' mission? Again, if I take you to the workplace, perhaps you are at work or at school or at university... When things get difficult, do, do we stand with the person who's being hassled? As opposed to defending ourselves, Jesus didn't defend himself so much as the people who needed help. Just a question for us to consider this morning. Mary kept her eyes on Jesus. She followed him courageously and faithfully and she stood with him. Even when he was on the cross, she stayed faithful. But then... Jesus died. You kind of hope in stories like this that it gets better, don't you? But, but Jesus died. I can't imagine the challenge it must have been in, in her mind that this, this master, this Messiah that she'd been following is now no more. I've just put my energy, my resources, my time into following This man, I I thought he was a real deal. Maybe I thought he was going to raise himself and save himself off that cross but but he's dead. The questions, the crisis of faith, the shattered dreams that must have been going through Mary's mind. The shattered dreams. We all have dreams, don't we? We all have dreams. Some of them are big, some of them are small. Some of them are uh, dreams that we think are kind of, this is our right dream of good health or uh, or or of peace in a country like Australia. Some of our dreams are are things we aspire to, something we're gonna do, something we're going to achieve or going to be. Some of us dream about great holidays. Some of those are front of mind and some of them are subconscious. It's a vision of the future. What's yours right now? What's your dream? What's What's your happily ever after? perhaps i should ask for some of us what was your dream because there's this profound thing about being human that at some point our dreams tend to get broken and you might be in that phase right now maybe that's already happened but there's this question of broken dreams, a a lost relationship, a relationship that's breaking down, losing a loved one, losing a capacity to do something that you've always been able to do or you've always wanted to do. And in moments like that, when we do face those broken dreams, the questions start to come, why? Why me? Or why that person? God, why? Why did you let that happen? Why couldn't my dream come true? We don't know what was going through Mary's head. That's just speculating, empathising from a human perspective. We don't read in the Bible what Mary was thinking. What we read is what she did. We read what her actions were at this time of deep grief, at this time where we suspect she must have had questions. And her actions suggest... Her actions suggest that she continued to walk in faith. Her actions seem to show from, from the reading that we read earlier that she was still there. She turned up. She went after, after. in Matthew 27 we see that after uh, Jesus died she went to the tomb to make sure she knew where he was buried. And then on the morning after that next Sabbath she came back to make sure he was buried properly Mary's actions seem to show that she was faithful through grief and questions. So here we have this picture of Mary, a disciple who's showing us unshakable and courageous faith. Through the way that she served, she poured her time and energy and her effort into following Jesus, serving him and his people and his mission. She stood faithfully through this atmosphere of persecution and then even in this time of grief, she's still there Standing with Jesus. That wouldn't be a great place to close a message though. So thankfully we can read on a little bit in the Bible and what we see is the reason Mary continued to walk in faith. It was hope. And I read this quote this week from a guy called Larry Crabb and I think it sums this hope up so beautifully. He says this, it's in a book called Shattered Dreams. And Larry Crabb says, I want the truth of hope, sometimes unfelt, to keep me faithful. Let me say that again. I want the truth of hope, sometimes unfelt. I'm, I might not feel it. In all the questions I'm asking, I might not feel it. But I want that truth of hope to keep me faithful. And I suspect that might have been where Mary was at, there was this hope somewhere. Let me change quickly and ask you a question. Is there an event that you would like to have been at? An event, like uh, the AFL Grand Final, you'd like to go and see that, or or the Super Bowl perhaps, uh, in American football. Or maybe you want to go and see the last great race on earth, the Iditarod dog sled race in Alaska. Well for me, one of the things I wanted to see was the Olympics in 2012. So in 2012, this was the next Olympics after we'd seen Usain Bolt with his amazing 100 metre win in 2008. Incredible. And the great thing about being married to a dual citizen, an English citizen and an Australian citizen is that we had access to the lottery for the London 2012 Olympics. And so we applied and we re- it didn't guarantee you a ticket, it wasn't free, you still had to pay, but we were able to enter the lottery and there were thousands probably tens of thousands of tickets available very exciting you know how many tickets we got none none so apparently being married to the uh, dual citizens not that helpful after all what what event would you like maybe i've mentioned sporting events maybe you would like to have been at a space launch or the signing of the magna carta or maybe the resurrection of jesus christ There weren't many tickets given out for that. But Mary Magdalene, she was there. Eyewitness. We see Mary Magdalene having gone through a life of, or or, or a, a year or two of serving Jesus. Having gone through this period of persecution and standing with Jesus. And then in the midst of grief, Let's catch up with Mary Magdalene again. I'm going to read the thing that we read, the the verses that we read at the start, now that we've got some of this background on Mary. So we're in John chapter 20, verse 11. So at this point, Mary stood outside the tomb, crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying they've taken my Lord away she said and I don't know where they've put him you see Mary was still focused she she, she didn't think about the resurrection she was looking for the body her faithful commitment was I need to look after his body that's what I'm going to continue to do in faith and that's what she's looking for at this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize it was Jesus. And we'll see in a minute that probably she didn't turn fully around. She just knew there was somebody there. He asked her woman, Why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? And she's thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him, and I will get him. Again, she's she's in this phase of, I just want to find the body. I'm in grief, I'm in shock. And I'm I'm focused, I just need to find the body so I can be faithful to Jesus. And then, that amazing line, (laughs) Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the mind-blowing hope as you witness the resurrected Jesus Christ? As it dawns on you, all that means Jesus said, don't hold on to me, for I've not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Mary met Jesus and was changed. Her life was changed and this transformation not only changed the way she lived her life, but it put this seed of hope in her. She lived a life of unshakable and courageous faith built on hope. When things were going well, she had spent all this time, this effort, her means she had given to Jesus. When things were hard and desperate and difficult, she stayed standing by him and she continued to be faithful. And Mary's hope in Jesus didn't disappoint. It didn't disappoint because Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. Now, we might not have had tickets. We might not have had tickets to that event. But we live in this blessed time of history where we know that occurred, where Jesus is alive. He has come and he is alive. So as disciples this morning, I think we can learn from Mary. We can learn from her faith and her hope. And we can share in her hope that one day we will see the risen Jesus Christ. And until we do, that we can walk in faith and that we can follow him.